0: Mr. Carl Emily feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science, who sought to create a man after his own image, without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life And death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So, if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to. uh, Well, we've warned you. Welcome to the Rocks of the Harvard Picture Show. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the podcast where we talk about the 200 best horror movies on RottenTomatoes.com. My name is Clay and with me as always is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda?
1: I'm pretty good. How are you today?
0: I'm good. I'm actually very excited about what we're talking about today because last time on our first episode we did The Shining, Mm -hmm. which was number 101, which was kind of surprising.
1: mind-blowing, yeah.
0: And uh, we hit the randomizer button, and this time we were going all the way up to number fourteen. I feel like a radio DJ, all the way up to number fourteen <laughs> with Frankenstein, nineteen thirty-one Frankenstein, uh, directed by James Whale, starring Colin Clive, Boris Karloff, May Clark, and John Bowles. And uh, have you seen this one before?
1: Many many moons ago, when mm. I was a little kid.
0: Yeah, uh, and did. Um, did did it make an impression on you at the time?
1: Uh, not really. Yeah. No, I think I was just overwhelmed by the monster and didn't really get any of the the more deep thematic mm. things going on. Um, have you read I'm, the book? Yes, I have. You have. Yeah, of this course is, I have.
0: This is one of those ones where I think I've had the book. I've had, I think I have like two or possibly three different versions of the book on my shelf as we speak. Really, and I have not read either of them.
1: <laughs> you should give it a shot. I, I, know, if I remember, it's, you know. It's not a very long
0: book. So it's uh, the thing that always stops me, and this kind of goes with a lot of book to movie translations. Mm-hmm. Is I go into it thinking about the movie, mm. and it takes me a while to switch into book mode. Yeah. So especially with a book like Frankenstein, which I think I've, I think I read through it once a long time ago, mm-hmm. but. When I when you start Frankenstein, it is so much not like the movie. Right. That it really takes me a long time to get into. And be and you know, we'll t- we'll talk about that stuff when we get into it. Um, but yeah, we'll play the trailer real quick and then we will talk about Frankenstein. When
1: this dead hand moves, the monster created by a man they called mad is turned loose to strike terror into the hearts of men. To shock women into uncontrolled hysteria. Elizabeth! To prey upon the innocence of children. This is the story you've heard about, talked about. The spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions.
0: Frankenstein! Don't touch that! All right, Amanda. Yes. Give us the rundown of what happens in Frankenstein, directed (laughs) by James Whale.
1: All right. So this iconic horror film follows the obsessed scientist Dr. Henry Frankenstein as he attempts to create life by assembling a creature from body parts of the deceased. Aided by his loyal, misshapen assistant Fritz, Frankenstein succeeds in animating his monster. But, confused and traumatized, it escapes into the countryside and begins to wreak havoc. Frankenstein searches for the elusive being and eventually must confront his tormented creation. Mm,
0: Yes. Uh, My favorite part of this whole movie happens in the first minute and a half. Really? Yes. When they're digging, it opens with a grave robbery. Yes. Uh, And there is a shot, I don't know if it's on purpose or if it was just a really nice coincidence, I'd like to think it was on purpose, Mm -hmm. where Henry Frankenstein literally shovels dirt into the face of the Grim Reaper. Yes! great shot
1: yeah i actually i think i have a note in my in my little notebook here about that one too because i remember watching that and laughing out loud the minute it happened
0: yeah like yeah it's it's really it's really nice um because it kind of it kind of sums up the entire thing yeah. uh, at least for the first 75 percent of the movie i think this movie kind of falls off story-wise towards the end mm-hmm. um it's the the monster story I think is pretty solid all the way through. Yeah, but uh, Henry and everybody else it just kind of gets silly after <laughs> yeah. a certain point.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um,
0: did the version that you watched have the introduction? We're, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. We're the same actor who plays Doctor Veldman. Sure. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that guy. Yeah. Uh, where he comes yeah. out and, and and you know in his tuxedo mm-hmm. and opens the curtain and kind of greets everybody and sets the stage in this wonderfully dramatic, overdramatic way mm-hmm. of of like, well, we warned you. Yeah.
0: It's really interesting because it's 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 showmanship, but it's mm-hmm. also. It was also like a studio mandated warning to put in front of the movie.
1: Was it really? Yeah. It wasn't just. I, I kind of assumed it was just an artistic choice. It's
0: it's kind of. It was kind of a tongue in cheek thing yeah. where they're like, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if you just like warned everybody what yeah. was coming?" Because this movie actually was very subversive for the time that it was made, mm. and there was a lot of cuts that happened to it when it was released subsequently. Uh, really, most famously, when the monster comes to life and he says, um, "In
1: the name of God." I
0: know what it feels like to be gone. Cut out. Oh. Uh, you know,
1: Morality, censors, right. and all of that.
0: Um, there's some other little bits that were deemed too violent. The other big one is uh, when he throws the girl into the water.
1: Oh, yeah. That is cut
0: out of the movie. So yeah, you I mean, lose the sympathy and the misunderstanding. Yeah. So all you see is him kind of like make a move towards her. Oh. And then they have the dad walking in with the dead body. So you don't know yeah. what he did to her
1: yeesh yeah because yeah. i actually think that that's i know we're jumping ahead a little bit yeah. but just because you mentioned it i i was i was surprised how effective that was yeah the the sort of like he's throwing these beautiful flowers into the water with her and it's great and it's fun and they're smiling so he assumes mm-hmm. throwing things and throwing pretty things in the water is great and she's a pretty little girl i'll toss her in the water it'll be fun and then the, yeah the tragedy and like the look on the the, the actor who plays the father The look on his face when he's carrying her through the town and the way that everybody just falls silent as he passes and like the background noise of the party that, you know, how it progressively dies down as he makes his way through and the Mm -hmm. music eventually like kind of cuts out and the dancing stops. I just thought that was really great. Yeah.
0: He walks through the town of Europe, I guess. (laughs) Germany. Yeah. Somewhere. Somewhere
1: in Germany because they're Herr whoever. Yeah. They have it's Frankenstein uh,
0: one of my favorite things about the Universal monster movies is that most of them take place in this weird amalgam of like what an American person who's never left the country yeah. would think <laughs> Europe is like
1: Well and it, it's it's yeah, it's tough to locate this movie in both space and time right like yeah what what era is this? I
0: don't know because it looks like it could be the 1800s yeah. but at the same time. Henry Frankenstein has a really modern-looking watch on, you know. Yeah, so there's, like, yeah it, it's, there's
1: these little details where you're a little, and, and, and I should know better, but I feel like grave diggers and body snatchers and that whole thing were sort of
0: that was like yeah 1800s. England. Yeah, but,
1: yeah, but closer closer to the turn of the century. Though. I think so. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and you know, that's something that I I think is such a plus for these movies because they they end up becoming almost more timeless. And more fairy tale like mm. because they yes. are not locked into a specific time period. They don't feel like I feel like if you watch this movie, it doesn't feel dated the mm-hmm. way watching like a Friday the Thirteenth movie feels dated, right? You know, right? Or like
1: when we talked about Scream on sure. um, yeah. Real Ripe, Real Rotten, yeah, because that was dated in a very intentional way. It right, very much wanted to feel of that moment in time and yeah this one definitely goes kind of in the opposite direction of being this amorphous sometime in the past somewhere in europe
0: yeah and it's it uh the filmmaking might feel a little dated i mean it's it's a, i didn't even realize it's only an hour and 10 minutes it's yeah, super it's short snappy <laughs> yeah i almost watched it twice because i haven't <laughs> i was i watched it as i was like, I should watch it with the commentary i may as well um mm. but it it uh yeah, the beginning, I would say up until the point where he creates the monster. Yeah. All of those scenes are really functional.
1: Yeah, and they're they're, they're very
0: like this is what we're doing. This is where we need to go. End of scene, you know.
1: Yeah, they're functional. It's interesting cuz they're functional. They're like very specifically on this very narrow narrative track. Mm-hmm. They don't diverge even a little bit. Like there's this scene, the first scene with Elizabeth and Victor. Mhm. And you gather pretty quickly that she's his girlfriend, uh, uh, Doctor Frankenstein's girlfriend or fiance. Yeah. You, you get that pretty quickly, but like, who the hell is Victor? Right. Where the hell are they talking? Yeah, because, they seem to
0: be friends, I guess. Yeah,
1: they seem they seem to be friends. He seems to kind of have a thing for her, mm-hmm. but is it like, is is this a? Uh, a jilted lover a former suitor well, he's
0: he's victor is henry's best man in his wedding
1: right so they yeah. are they are probably best friends and and but you're not given that information clearly until halfway through the movie and, and when they're getting married right and i one of my notes was uh about elizabeth was just like where the hell does she live because yeah <laughs> Because that first scene in that building, I was like, she lives in a a museum, a castle? Well, but I'm, then you realize it's not her house. Yeah.
0: It's, it's Frankenstein's house. Exactly. Yeah. It's his
1: dad, the Baron. Right. My hero.
0: Which is, you know, which is one of the really interesting things about this because there's so much like... Uh, It's not really world-building because they don't really Mm -hmm. do much world-building. They just kind of throw elements at you and they work because they're fairly archetypal, I think. Yeah. So you've got the Baron... Of the town? I yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. He seems to be very important to the town.
1: Maybe if we were more familiar with how landed <clears throat> nobility worked in continental Europe during the 1800s. In fake, we'd, in fake continental yeah, in, Europe. In fake yes. continental Europe, we'd feel a little more comfortable. I, I'm not sure
0: it. what a burgermeister is, but he seems to have a very pivotal role. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, the, the, the Frankenstein... You learn that the Frankenstein family is very well regarded. Yes. And that this wedding that's supposed to be happening is... I, is a big deal, yeah. Because the 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 burgermeister, I think, says that oh the the wedding is a big deal. I think he literally says something like that.
1: Well, they talk about how the townspeople want to know when it's right. going to be, and everybody's planning for it. It's this very big community event. Right. It's almost like a like a like a town holiday.
0: But they don't tell you why. Like you don't know who Elizabeth is. Right, Uh, What family she's from that makes this a big deal, whether or not it's... I mean, uh, the reason they don't tell you that is because, honestly, it doesn't matter. Because it's not really what the story is about. Yeah,
1: there's something kind of refreshing about the way that this movie really whittles everything down to its most essential elements Mm -hmm. and doesn't bother you with the sort of extraneous details that, you know, some people might like to know. It might cross your mind. Like, it definitely crossed my mind to say well where where the heck is Elizabeth from where's her family like she's got bridesmaids yeah but they don't really seem to give much of a shit about her right um. she's got bridesmaids
0: who I'm not convinced are different actresses than the ones who are playing the maids of the house because right. it's just like we found four women we'll put them in some costumes
1: um can we talk about just this is a really dumb detail uh but my favorite moment in this whole movie has nothing to do with horror mm-hmm. and nothing to do with you know grim reaper imagery um it's when they pour the champagne mm-hmm. for the house staff mm-hmm. and the butler and there's four maids the butler takes a sip three of the maids take a dainty little sip and the one maid on the end just downs yep. that whole she's smart. Like, yeah. Oh, she's my she's the best. She, I I, loved her I was watching that too thing yeah. like
0: they took one sip and then put it down and then there's <laughs> and one, that who's one maid like, who boom. was just
1: like I'm going to live this life.
0: And like the the butler kind of looks at her like yeah, you know what's up.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I loved it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, looking at it, I think you're right. It's, it's very, it's very lean. It's only an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, and the information they give you is only the essential stuff you need. Because if you look at Henry Frankenstein, the character, we meet him like halfway through his story. We don't, we don't see why he's trying to bring people back from the dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know what he was doing before this. Um, what he 's had to do to get to this point we've we 've got him right before he gets what he wants, yeah, and what 's nice about that is the rest of the movie is essentially well I guess this kind of goes into why it kind of falls apart for me i i i i sorry we skipped over the big overview thing. Do you enjoy this movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> um you know I got
0: I, so into just the details we both
1: we both did it, this is this is both of our 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 faults <clears> um I you know I think I enjoyed it because I know it's a classic yeah uh, and it's so iconic mm-hmm. and there's there's so many things that reference back to it um, I mean even you know the it's alive scene I would and all say of
0: that. I would say this is the most iconic horror movie of all time
1: I don't know if I would say it's this or Dracula
0: I see I was thinking that too mm. but Dracula has like one element it's like just basically Bella Lugosi. Yeah. But Frankenstein has the monster. He's got the laboratory. He's got the lines. He's got, you know, it it just, it feels like this is the most referenced and and the movie that created as much of, uh, you know, uh, Frankenstein, you move two clicks to the left and you've got like. Giant monster movies. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. And then you've also got things like The Fly yeah, and, absolutely. and all sorts of, you know, mad science. It occurred to
0: me halfway through this that this movie is actually very similar to First Blood, the first Rambo movie.
1: <laughs> You're going to yell at me when I say this. I haven't seen it.
0: This will be the last episode <laughs> of the Rotten Horror Picture Show. We've next had a good time, run. <laughs> next time, we'll be back with the first episode of Amanda Watches Rambo. <laughs> Which we will do two hundred episodes. <laughs> two
1: hundred episodes of Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> uh,
0: no, but I mean, you know, it's 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 the similar kind of story about uh, a a, cre- a creation who is then shunned by mm-hmm. its creator, mm. and then uh, is misunderstood, and then hunted by the by uh, you know the 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 people that he's just trying to be. Uh, he's he's not trying to hurt anybody. He's just trying to live his life, and then yeah. he gets. Hunted down by these people who hate and fear him because they don't understand him. It's interesting. And he's forced to push back.
1: I'm ge- I'm going to get real English major on you oh, right please now do. Uh, because pretty much a lot of what you just said sums up the way the book itself was treated. Mm. Um, because uh, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, who wrote it, started writing it when she was 18 years old, which is crazy, and pregnant with her second child,
0: which is crazy.
1: The first one had died.
0: Ooh. Well, all right. Well, I guess that explains why she wrote the book.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then she she didn't. Uh, when it first comes out, it, it comes out pretty quickly after after she starts it. It doesn't take. It takes uh, you know a, a couple of years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes out, she doesn't put her name on it. Right. So it comes out as this anonymous piece of literature,
0: which is mind blowing. Yeah, like if this book—if the, the, <laughs> I don't know what the equivalent of that would be—like if Harry Potter
1: right, came right. out
0: with no name on it, yeah, and it just was like, oh, where did yeah, this like come
1: from? holy shit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it came out, and then she she subsequently spent many years kind of trying in in different ways, even after she took credit for it, to, mm-hmm. to sort of distance herself from it. Mm-hmm. Um. So she created this kind of horrifying thing, put it out there into the world, and then kind of tried to take a step back from it sure. and, and be like, "Yeah, oh, no, I don't know. I have, this, I have this really vivid dream. It just came. all came to me in a dream. Yeah. Like,
0: I, w- I wonder how she would respond if, if someone talked to her today and was like, you literally created the genre of science fiction. Yeah. You know, that's because I've heard a lot of places say that, that she is the, the godmother, if you will, of, of uh, science fiction.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you can see why. I mean, like, if if you do ever read the book, it's all from maybe not all, but it, the vast majority of it is from the point of view of Frankenstein, right? So it's his papers, his letters, his journals, right? Very much the way Dracula is written in this sort of uh, collection of documents style. So you get a little more of this like pseudo scientific jargon in it, which is kind of wonderful. Which
0: is really funny to me, though, because my favorite part. Of the book is the scene where the monster comes to life, mm-hmm. and, which in the movie is very highly stylized. You've got yes. like lightning and shit and all this yeah, technical they're like stuff. Raising and,
1: him up through the hole in the roof. Yeah, on the a little crane. the little
0: bit that I feel gets lost to the sands of time is that it's not lightning that does it. It's this weird undefined ultraviolet ray or yeah, something yeah
1: it's like the rays yeah that when he gets in this he
0: gets in his teacher's face and he's like you said that the ultraviolet ray <laughs> was the best ray but i found a better one and it's I gonna bring this guy to life better ray. um but in the book it's uh, uh i was watching a thing uh a making of or a or, uh, documentary thing about about the movie and mm-hmm. they quoted the line from where he comes to life in the book mm. and it is so sparse it basically says uh surrounded by the instruments of life i toiled into the night until my candle burned down and it was then when the candle was almost out that i saw the hideous eye open and i'm like oh man i identify with that so much i don't want to do the work and figure out like what science shit that i would have there it's like you know what Whatever it, you need to bring someone back to life, I had that there. Yes. And I was and I using that. I don't
1: want to tell you because right. it's bad and yeah. you shouldn't do it. Which
0: you can, you can get away with that in a book, but you yes. can't get away with that in a movie.
1: Yeah. So how did you feel? I, I, I get the feeling that you really, you, ha- you seem to have a great deal of affection for this movie, I, I love think. this movie. Yeah.
0: I really, really love this movie. Um, I actually got, I hadn't watched it in a while. Mm. And I think I got more out of it this time than I had previously. Because it was the first time that the 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 I, I was thinking about a few things as I was watching it, specifically mm-hmm. from that opening scene where the guy comes out, where uh, his name's Edward Van Sloan is the mm. actor comes out and gives you that you know warning, that sort of tongue in cheek. Yeah. You know uh, we're Treehouse ha- we're having fun. <laughs> yeah, we're having fun, but at the same time, you're going to see some shit. Um, and I was thinking about why this was so subversive Mm. and I realized that a lot of it is because the there's it's not a battle of good and evil this isn't Dracula where the monster is evil and everybody else is good and you have to stop the monster this one is specifically about the uh, failings of a human being Mm -hmm. who does some pretty awful shit and ultimately doesn't pay a price for it yeah and Uh, the subversiveness of that um, it's got it's very morally ambiguous it's got Mm -hmm. child murder in it it's got it's got a lot of death across it opens with a grave robbing like a pretty for the time a pretty graphic grave robbing sequence where you can like hear the dirt hitting the right uh, right. I mean
1: especially for uh, you know this was 1931 this came out I mean actual frequent grave robbings weren't they were probably mostly a thing of the past by that point, mm-hmm. but they were still something that had been up until fairly recently happening on a regular basis. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, this was, they're, they're giving that to you right away. Mm. Um, and you're not going to see that, even in Dracula, you don't see stuff like this. Dracula yeah. is, is, if Dracula came out in the same year, way more tame than this movie as far as the stuff yeah. that you're actually seeing. Yeah, that's true. And uh, if you go back and you look at where horror movies were up to this point this is really the first one that makes the human the monster yes because you've got dracula vampire is the monster nosferatu vampire is the monster yeah uh phantom of the opera the phantom is the monster yeah um cabinet of dr caligari that that weird dude is the monster but he's like clearly (laughs) a bad guy
1: right he's also like questionably supernatural
0: right and this is the first time that, that you're really presenting your audience with the inverse of that, where, well, no, the monster is actually the good guy, if you Debatably, want to go there. Debatably, yeah. Debatably. Yeah. I shouldn't say he's the good guy. but He's, he's a victim. He's a victim, yes. yes. Yeah. And his story is, is really heartbreaking. Like yeah. I, the, the final scene in the movie, well, the second, the final scene in the movie is weird, but yeah. the second, the, oh, what yeah. should have been the final scene <laughs> yes. in the movie is him burning to death inside the windmill
1: horrifically
0: horrifically and it's legitimately heartbreaking
1: absolutely and i like i haven't i have notes about that too about how the cutting back and forth between the mob and the sounds of the mob and the sounds of the flames and then cutting back to you know the monster just kind of screaming in this very high-pitched but like very human yeah sound of panic yeah is like very heartbreaking. Yeah.
0: And the 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 theme through the movie of just uh not f- so this movie uh the guy who made this movie James Whale was mm. was uh a soldier in the First World War. Mm. And so much of the horror of the 20th century starts as a direct result of people re- who were in the First World War reacting to the First World War. Mm. and um, I can see that in this, because the, the book that I'm currently writing takes place during World War One, so I've been reading a bunch of a lot of this stuff, and I can see this sort of theme in the movie of people, someone with a lot of power
1: mm-hmm.
0: setting something in motion that he has no idea what the consequences are going to be just yeah. because he can do it, and then it gets way out of hand, and he basically just sort of, washes his hands of it and walks away
1: yeah there's this really weird like mid movie pivot that Mm. happens with the character of henry frankenstein He just goes home (laughs) yeah well and, and and he kind of becomes a different person yeah he does he 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 when you're first introduced to him he's this very bizarre sort of sinister like mad scientist type who's yeah. crawling through the dirt in graveyards with his like very strange assistant who is nev- who is also speaking of not getting background information and mm. not getting an explanation yeah fritz is like okay where did you find this guy no idea what are his qualifications why are he, you letting him help you he can
0: apparently shimmy up a pole real nice
1: he climbs right? ropes real good too so not, not
0: great with stealing brains though yeah <laughs>
1: but excellent with torches. Um yeah and, and the first half of the movie you've got this this Dr. Frankenstein who is this madman who who has gone past the bounds of ethics and decency. Right. And then midway through he is just like ooh yeah this isn't fun anymore. He kind of and then they cut to this scene where they're sitting on like a patio yeah. in a beautiful like like woodsy yard with like dogs laying at their feet and she's like lighting his cigarette for him. And yeah. he's in these like PJs, she's, just like lounging in the sun. She's
0: like, Finally we can get married and he's like, Yes. Finally. Finally. Thank that's great, sweetie. Yeah. But yeah, he goes it's it's almost like it's almost like the beginning of the movie was him out on a bender. Yeah. And then he comes yeah. home and he's like, "Man, that was nuts. Yeah,
1: I'm never going to do that again." Yeah. I mean, "Baby, I promise this was the last time." Whew.
0: Anyway, what's for lunch, you know? Yeah. And yes. it, it I for some reason I st- I started picturing Rick from Rick and Morty. <laughs> with how casually he just yeah. like throws the monster away. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's, oh, I'm done with this. Because yeah. after,
0: there's one scene where the monster freaks out because of the fire.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
0: he's like, well, this was a huge failure. <laughs> 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 you just built yeah, a human yeah. out of
1: scraps. You brought something back to life. But yeah, I, oh man. No, I was I was actually talking to, um, I was talking to my husband about this earlier. And I said that if there was a like true remake of this movie that was made now, uh-huh. um, I would want Bill Hader to be Dr. Frankenstein. Okay. I think he would be great at it. Because yeah. there is that, like, he's so over the top and ridiculous, the first half of the movie, and then he just pivots and, and is like, no, I think I'm just going to be a normal guy now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what
0: the- You know, that's, that's something that I, I did want to bring up as well, because this movie was considerably scary at the time yeah Frankenstein probably at the bottom of the list of scary monsters now yeah I would love to know what it would take to make Frankenstein scary again because he's the only one that they haven't really they keep they do a Frankenstein movie like once every 10 years and they Mm. uh, it never works and I don't know what you would have to do to make it as equally um challenging and subversive as this is yeah um but i would really like to see somebody try i think you would have to it would be you would have to make a pretty fucked up movie i think which i'm here for yeah
1: Yeah, but i I also think part part of the problem is that you know it's it's boris
0: karloff Mm -hmm.
1: who is just a fucking treasure yeah you know like he
0: he's a, a monster legend twice over yes Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's like getting inducted into the Hall of Fame as a solo act and as part of a band.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, he even, he he went through so much physically Mm. to portray the monster the way he did. Like, I I was reading something about how he hurt his back because he's actually carrying around the actor who plays Dr. Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. And like, he was like 45 when this movie was made. Yeah. Um. And he he screwed up his back so bad that he had back problems for the rest of his life. Right. He had dental work. He had a, a like a partial bridge, and he took it out for this film. So that's why he's got that sunken cheek.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because my favorite um, bit of uh, makeup trip. It's not really trivia, but it's something that's mm-hmm. fun to watch. Is that so? He took that piece out. Yeah. It sinks his cheek in, and they like yeah. shaded it up to make him look more like a ca- a corpse. Yes. That. Shading became just part of the makeup mm-hmm. for everybody else who played the monster oh. who was not as skinny as he is. So by yeah. the time you get to uh, Bell Lugosi playing Frankenstein, oh, yeah. it just looks like a beauty mark. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. just it's just one of those stupid little things. It doesn't translate.
1: Clay trivia.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about it. And I, f- I think the closest thing that comes to hitting the right kind of pocket mm. is reanimator. Mm. Which is very much a Frankenstein movie and is also yeah. very on the edge and subversive uh for for the time. Yeah. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know I think you'd have to go pretty dark to make it to make something that was as effective as this is now.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that's true because I, I think when this movie came out I mean, I can just only speculate, but um I think Karloff's appearance was so iconic. His his physical presentation was so immediately horrifying mm. that he didn't need to be evil. Right. He didn't need to like you know he kills the little girl, which is horrifying. But it's horrifying in a dual way, where it's horrifying because the little girl dies, mm-hmm. but it's also horrifying because he doesn't understand what right. he's really done until it's over, and then right. he knows he's done something wrong. You can he looks panicked, he runs away. But I I think what makes this movie frightening when you when i watch it now at least is that yeah you know the humans are the monsters in it right uh, i i think that's that's the tricky part if you were to try to remake it now and try to make frankenstein's monster yeah. scary again it would almost change the nature of the character
0: mm. well you know um when after they stopped making these movies in the uh, universal stopped making these movies in like the f- 50s early 50s Mm. uh Mm. hammer studios in in england kind of picked up the baton Mm. because all of this stuff is public domain as long as you don't use the the iconic makeups yeah so they they started doing frankenstein and dracula and wolfman well not wolfman because that's copyrighted but (laughs) um the really smart thing that they did was they were making frankenstein movies where Dr. Frankenstein is explicitly the villain of the movie. Yeah. And it is, it is every single time they do it, it is the monster is some sort of victim or some sort of unwilling participant. Mm-hmm. And Peter Cushing, as yes. the doctor, oh jets get gets progressively eviler and eviler through each movie. Uh, I'm looking forward to when we get to one of our five-spot movies, when we do uh, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, which is one of my favorite movies, but... <laughs>
1: Well, then that's that's interesting because that's a very different take on the Doctor Frankenstein character. Because in this movie, he's almost kind of impotent. Yeah, um, he manages well, uh, to bring the monster to life, but mm. he doesn't manage to successfully do much beyond that. Like he, right. he can't really. He can't fight the monster. He can't take control of his of his his third of the mob that he, he leads yes. into the into the mountains. He's like, no, way, he's not even assertive way. about it. Like, yeah, even,
0: even that thing at the end, there's no assertion from him about no. trying to find. He's just like, all right, I guess I'll go left.
1: He spends more time fainting Or unconscious. Unconscious. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, (laughs) Thanks. Um, No, he's almost in even, you know, obviously Elizabeth has her damsel in distress moments, but he's actually much more of a damsel in distress, which is, I think, an interesting positioning for a character that, you know, should have a lot more agency throughout this.
0: It's very interesting because... He is positioned as the hero yeah. in the second half of the movie.
1: Yeah, but it's all his fault. And
0: he's really bad at it, like you yeah. said. <laughs> yeah. And impotent is, is a really interesting word to use because through this this watch again, um, I noticed that I, one of the things that I always could never figure out is why is he using pieces of bodies? Like if, if he's just bringing somebody back from the dead, why do you need to piece a body together? Yeah. And it was this time is the first time I've ever picked up on a line where he says, I'm not bringing something back from the dead. I'm creating new life. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. Why? You know, he's not because his his drive. And I think they do this in a lot of the other versions. His drive is not like fixing correcting something that has gone wrong like it's not Mm -hmm. because someone in his past has died right he's like i need to figure out how to bring people back from the dead right he's literally saying like fuck god i'm gonna (laughs) do this myself and i'm gonna make a new life
1: but he's also trying to take on a a mother role Mm.
0: he's making a new life without a woman Right, right, yeah. but
1: that puts him in this like sort of position uh, of a of a mother, and right. I think it's it's you know that's entirely because of Mary Shelley's, you know, she wrote the book and right. and it's her narrative, and I think very much you know pregnancy and childbirth were her life at the time. So yeah. I think that it's interesting when you get a male character who has though that that focus, that mm. focus on wanting to make his own. Life and and bring something into the world that's entirely his own and is completely new,
0: and he throws it away so quickly. Yeah, like it's yeah, which it's, is crazy. We were joking about it before, but it is shocking how quickly he just is like, well, that's done. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll leave this to my doctor friend to destroy and just right. go on with my life.
1: Right. Too bad that didn't work out. Yeah,
0: and you know, one of the things that's nice about uh, when you start a story the way that they do with him so far into the process of getting what he wants ultimately, mm-hmm. then that leaves so much more room for the consequences of what happens when he does get what he yeah, wants. Yeah,
1: that's a good point.
0: However, <laughs> one of the ways that this movie fails, which we've kind of said a few times already, is he doesn't ultimately suffer any consequences from this stuff, which is no. part of what I think is is ends up being fairly... Uh, I think what made a uh, part of what made this movie difficult at the time is that they keep trying to squeeze Dr. Frankenstein into this like hero role. Yes. But he is the cause of everything. Yeah. And if you're squeezing him into the hero role, ultimately that means he doesn't suffer from the consequences of the bad thing. Right. He's because supposed he to wins.
1: Yes. He's supposed to get the girl at the end.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this weird like the second half of the movie becomes this really weird thing where I feel like that's what causes the impotence from yeah. from his not being able to act because he can't effectively deal with the consequences be- of stuff he created because he has to be the one who wins at the end.
1: Right. And and it's it's interesting because if you if you take the ending the kind of Hollywood ending out of it and you just look at the action of the film around him. He tries to create a new life. And arguably he succeeds. He brings something back to life. Oh, yeah. But arguably he fails. He feels like he fails. Sure. Um, he drops out of university.
0: Right. Yep. <laughs>
1: He's supposed to get married, but he never actually does. No.
0: Not in the movie anyway. Yeah.
1: yeah he He just kind of consistently misses the mark and and doesn't can't close the deal right on on pretty much everything yeah. even at the very end it's if it ended with a wedding scene it would have made more sense
0: sure you know yeah. um what's interesting is uh i guess the original ending of the movie was frankenstein and the monster both die so the i scene, would have preferred that yeah <laughs> And so when they get to that final scene, which that was shot afterwards, that's not even Colin Clive in the room. He's like Oh really? Yeah. He's out of focus, so they <laughs> just used a different actor. That's um, great. The the Frankenstein's father who is this like he's an interesting character because he's the baron. Yeah, he's a very common character in these James Whale horror movies where there's like always one character who's kind of like campy and over the top. Yeah. And you know, in this one it's the baron. Bride of Frankenstein's got like five of them, but there's, a, there's always one. There's always one who's at like, least one. Yeah, yeah, who's a who's a who's a tension break character where he's going to do some silly shit. But I love him. He's he's pretty good. <laughs> and at the end, they they uh, you know they talk about how he uh, he yeah he's in bad shape, but he'll be fine. And the 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 maids bring him this wine to drink. Yes. And the father's like, ah, he probably shouldn't drink. I'll drink it myself. And they call back to the. Um, engagement party scene Yes, where he raises his glass and he says, here's a toast to a, a son of the house of Frankenstein. Yeah. And and th- that scene was like so goofy. And then they get to the end and he says that line. And I was like, man, that is so subversively on, on, on like right on the right track for this right? movie. Because that's wh- what the monster is. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah no, I, I totally agree. Like I had very, I actually watched – the kind of end, say twenty minutes, like, like twice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so half the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> maybe a third. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but a lot happens in it. Like sure. like so so much happens in a very short amount of time, and. Yeah, that the first time I watched it, I was just like, "Why? Why are they ending with that?" And then, yeah, and then I noticed that it's not to my son; it's a son right. of the house right. of Frankenstein.
0: And it's I, I was I was reading or, or watching um, that. I think they, I think they, they speculate that James Whale wrote that scene himself. Oh, which makes a lot of sense to me because that is a very tongue-in-cheek way to end this movie. Yeah, um, and especially I mean, even in that scene. Henry's in bed damaged yes. being like cared for cared for by his still not yet wife. Yes. And very much is in an impotent state. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of impotence <laughs> or lack thereof. <clears throat> um the ce- so the scene where the monster attacks Elizabeth. Yes. How do you feel about that scene? What are your thoughts?
1: Um i have I have thoughts on a couple of different levels mm-hmm. um because I think part of the inclusion of it is 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 the stereotypical we have a beautiful woman mm-hmm. and we have a monster, mm-hmm. and that's just what you do. You, right. you put the monster in a room with the beautiful woman mm-hmm. um but at the same time i I think taken all together in this film. It's a, just another mark of how impotent, yeah. Um, Henry Frankenstein really is. I mean, he 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 locks her in that room, right, by herself, and she is in some way violated by yeah. this monster. Mm-hmm. I, I think you can read it as a sexual violation. It's the the te- the subtext is definitely there. She's in her wedding dress, right which is very symbolic. Um
0: That scene in of itself for the time probably blew some minds, I think.
1: Oh yeah, yeah I'm I'm sure that one barely squeaked by the censors because she ends up fainted on her back on a bed. Right. After this large monstrous figure comes into the room mm-hmm. and attacks her. Does something off-screen. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Um but at the same time, if you look at it in the full context of the movie and what the monster tends to do, I don't think it would make sense to, to say literally he violated her sexually. Right. I don't think that fits with that character, mm-hmm. but I think it is a symbolic way of showing how little power and, and how little efficacy that Henry Frankenstein has over his own life. He can't even protect the woman he wants to marry. He right. can't even marry her.
0: <laughs> right. Like arguably doesn't want to. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah.
1: There's definitely something. Also, a little... James Whale,
0: openly gay. So
1: Yeah. Read d-
0: into read into Henry what you will.
1: Yeah, I I and I think you can. Or maybe really,
0: closeted gay. I can't remember. I think, I think he was openly gay.
1: I, I'm not sure, honestly, but I think you can At the time,
0: didn't matter. I think it was tough either way. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, no matter what you're in for ugh. um but I, I think looking at Henry, I think you can like read a lot of that, that subtext into it, even his relationship with Victor, yeah, um, where he clearly loves and trusts and relies on Victor and sort of puts, puts everything, his own life, his fiance's life, his home, mm. like Victor's hanging out with his dad. Do you
0: think Henry would care if he found out that Victor was sleeping with Elizabeth? I you know (laughs) I kind of feel like he wouldn't it wouldn't really bother I
1: feel like he'd be like, Well but can I still marry her?
0: I feel like it depends on what part of the story. Like if he hasn't created the monster and he's in work mode, I'm sure he's like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. Do whatever you want.
1: Well I even think after that he would be a little bit like, Look, I get it. But like, can I still marry her? And Mm -hmm. then can we all just live together? I I think that would be his dream. He'd be like, I have a beautiful wife. My dad would be happy. I would have like the person I actually have feelings for, which is this handsome strapping man who's going to keep coming to save me. We have
0: one big bed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think he would love being in a throuple. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I do. And I actually think there's something to be said for the fact that in the novel Frankenstein, the, the doctor is Victor Frankenstein. Sure. He's not Henry Frankenstein. Yeah, it's just one of those
0: weird changes that everybody like.
1: I've, I don't know why. Did you, do you know anything about I, why they did that? I
0: don't. I know that the 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 story that the movie it comes from is like much like Dracula. It's based on a play which mm. had been written and rewritten a bunch of times since the book came out. Okay. So it's one of those things where it's like all the stuff from the book got crunched down to work as a stage play. Okay. And then that stuff then got adapted into a film. So so that's
1: how we ended up with Henry Frankenstein and Call Me By Your Name, Victor, <laughs> whatever his last name was.
0: Because that's kind of broke, the vibe broke it back gives me. Ver- Brokeback Burgermeister. <laughs> oh, no. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> Uh, I, so I I don't know specifically why they changed the names, but it's one of those things where it's like now it's like oh it's Victor Frankenstein yes he's like a Baron it's like no those are three different characters yeah. in this movie yeah uh, his assistant's name Igor right no it's name's Fritz. Fritz Igor doesn't show up until like the third movie um and, well the reason the reason I brought up the attack of Elizabeth is because yes. it's another one where watching it this time it read a lot differently than when I was younger because yeah. when I was younger, it's like, Oh, he's the monster. Yeah. He's attacking, attacking her. And in the book, he, the monster specific, cause the monster's a lot smarter in the book.
1: Yes. He Can specifically
0: attacks Elizabeth because he is g- trying to attack Victor. Or yes. Dr. Frankenstein. This, he, he doesn't have that mindset in this movie.
1: Yeah. There's not, there's not a grand plan.
0: Right. And one of the things I was watching said, uh, you know he's, uh, the guy was like well you know as it gets there's some con- plot contrivances like why does he attack Elizabeth there's no way he would know who she was or even what her significant what significance was like there's no way he could be doing that to get back at Henry or something like that yeah and it occurred to me watching the scene again I don't th- I don't th- he's not doing it this is how I read it anyway he's not mm. doing it to because he thinks he's getting back at Henry I think it this guy's correct. He doesn't know th- that stuff. Yeah. I think he's just horny because every, everything else he does in the movie mm. is very animalistic. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that he actively like, you know, sure, sure, sure. Something. No, I, I understand. But the thing that sells it to me, because a- everything else he does in the movie is very animalistic and very, um, instinctual. Yeah. Um, and the thing that sells it to me is it's another little bit of like tongue in cheek subversion is when she screams, he doesn't yeah. go, he goes, you know?
1: <laughs> I kind of missed that.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah, he was just like weird growl. where he's like, <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, man, this actually, if that works on he's both like, levels. Hubba, hubba. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> that works on both levels because if, if you're not reading him as the, the sympathetic character, yeah. it looks like he's the monster attacking this woman. But if you're reading him as this instinctual animal, Mm. It's very much like he's like, oh, there's, a, there's an attractive woman in this room. Yeah. I'm going to go, you know, do whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's is another, obviously it's not great, whatever he yeah. does. <laughs> much like throwing sure. a, uh, the girl in and killing the girl is not great. Or killing any of the other people he kills in this movie. Yeah. Um, but it is another, if that's the intention, it is another bit of misunderstanding mm. on this character, on this monster's part or on the people's part towards the monster. And it's another fucking thing that Henry did.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, so my reading of it in this movie, you know, ignoring the novel Mm -hmm. and, and other interpretations in this, in this specific movie, I always thought that the scene most closely connected thematically to the attack on Elizabeth is the scene with, is it Maria, the little girl? Is she Maria? Sure. I think so. Um, like, I, I think that there is something more human in the monster, which is what yeah. makes him so sympathetic. I don't think he's just purely animal instinct. Sure. Um, I think he has a, an appreciation for beauty.
0: Okay. Yeah. And
1: and I... Because he... with Sitting with, with this, you know, very pretty little girl, and I don't mean pretty in, like, a creepy way. I just mean, genuinely, she's an adorable little girl. And she's... Right. They're playing with flowers next to a beautiful lakeside, and that's that's the moment... He's happiest in the whole film. And I think he has this sort of instinctual human appreciation for things that are beautiful. And I think he spots Elizabeth through the windows and she's looking at her most, you know, they say women are their most beautiful on their wedding days. That's sort of a cliche. It's all downhill from there. Exactly. Trust me. No, I'm (laughs) kidding. (laughs) but no, you know she's looking really lovely. She's mm-hmm. she's dressed up. She looks gorgeous, and I think he sees that, and he's like, "Aha, a pretty thing." Right. And I don't, I don't even think I think it very well could be, and probably is supposed to be sexual in some level. But I think there's also an argument to be made for him just wanting to experience something beautiful, sure, because his entire existence from start to finish, <laughs> other than these couple short glimpses, is is just like pain. Confusion, misery, and horror. Right. So I, I mean, I think I think in a weird way it is, you know.
0: I think your your explanation makes more sense in mind.
1: Well, I, I also think <laughs> there's room for both. I don't yeah. think it has to be well, one I, or the I other. I think but. I
0: think you're right because it's. I think part of what makes that work so well is that you don't see what happens. Yeah. And you don't even really see him grab her, from what I remember.
1: Yeah, you you see him kind of get close to her and and, and sort of make make a make a move towards right. her but you don't see him it's not like he picks her up or right. he grabs her by the arms yeah. or something and
0: whatever struggle happens after that could have been a struggle very similar to with the little girl yeah where he doesn't know what's going on but she's freaking out right you know? right
1: and maybe because she's an adult woman she freaks out hard enough that he just drops her on the bed and she right. faints right very yeah. much like Henry Frankenstein would faint. Yes,
0: the model of a of a great Lovecraftian protagonist is always fainting at the most <laughs> inopportune point. Um, do you have a, a favorite scene in the movie, um, <clears throat> or what's what's your favorite part of the movie?
1: I think my favorite part of the movie.
0: I guess we kind of already covered that. But...
1: I mean, we 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 touched we touched on it a little bit. I I think I in the end I kind of have to agree with you that it's the beginning yeah. for me um, where they are doing the sort of Burke and hair style mm. grave robbing um, because there's just such a wonderful mix of comedy in the midst of these very, what would have now become uh, horror tropes, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure back then were much more startling and like jarring. Like you said, like this fairly realistic, Scene of a burial and, sure. and digging mm-hmm. things back up, cutting the body down from the gallows. I do, I
0: do have to amend my statement a little bit because I guess Hunchback of Notre Dame did exist before this, so that's more mm. of a people versus an un- misunderstood. But you know, yeah, just forget fits. that movie existed and just <laughs> assume that I'm right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think <clears throat> we should change the name of this podcast to Assume Clay's Right.
0: Well, I mean, it's the name of my life. I don't know why <laughs> anything else should be different. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I, I, I do, I think for me, yeah, that, that beginning, cause it, it captures so much of the sort of Victorian Gothic sensibility mm. that I love so much. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like, uh, so many of my notes from watching this movie are just like the sets right? with underlines underneath Well, is there anything like, else
0: you want to talk about that we hit, that we didn't cover?
1: Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the the sets really yeah. like like in terms of his his laboratory and the abandoned castle is just so there's so much it's so dense it's sort of like this maximalist yeah idea They're so of, tall yeah everything like those yeah, sets. everything, everything has up. a huge ceiling. yeah 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 everything goes up up really really high um <clears throat> let me see what else um <laughs> I do have a an- I do have a note from the the scene with the little girl that cat is real yeah that's a real cat a, that she's just like swinging around
0: that cat was not happy <laughs> it had a look on its face like this is I'm gonna, I'm gonna die shit yeah.
1: up yeah um yeah i mean I, I i think that's that's a big thing for me what about you is there anything we haven't touched on that you want um
0: well i wanted to mention the music in mm. that there is none Yeah. Um, And, you know, because music becomes such a big part of horror movies. Mm -hmm. uh, And this early in film history, uh, they were only really doing music in the beginning and end credits, like they do in this. And they also do Mm -hmm. in Dracula. I think it's more effective in Dracula because they use uh, Swan Lake. Yeah. Which is one of the best pieces of music ever written. Yeah. Um, The music in this is fairly forgettable. Uh, and it 's just really interesting to me that four years later you 've got Bride of Frankenstein that has full music like music through the whole movie and very identifiable score to it that you know hmm. if, once we watch that i don't i don 't know how familiar with you are you are with it. i haven
1: 't seen that one actually really yeah. oh it 's great yeah it 's
0: real weird like it's it 's oh, very sure. strange
1: i i the premise alone <clears throat> yeah
0: it 's like you know how you know how Batman returns yeah is like they kind of let Tim Burton off the leash a little bit and just yeah. said, just do a Tim Burton movie with Batman in it. Yeah, and things Bride, got real Fra- weird. Yeah, Bride of <laughs> Frankenstein is like, they told James Whale, just do whatever you want, and it gets weird. Nice. Uh, it's great, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting how empty these early movies feel without that accompanying music, because like, you can just mm-hmm. imagine... What sort of gothic score would be written for a movie like this now? Yeah. Um, where everything feels so the way it is now, the way it is with no music, mm-hmm. I think makes it feel that much more abrupt and yeah. and quickly paced. Because yeah, your well, scenes are just kinda like, hello, this, this, next scene. This, <laughs> this, next scene, this, this, next scene. And
1: and you're not getting you're not being emotionally prepped right. by a soundtrack. Right. Um I do think though in terms of sound engineering there's a lot of sound effects Oh yeah. Yeah. in this Big you time. know the, the cranking of the gears as they raise up the gurney
0: the electric s- stuff yeah, climbing up those yeah the dogs those are. barking yeah. as
1: the mob chases him through the woods <clears throat> like yeah there's a lot there's a lot to be said for the sound itself but yeah that's a, that's an interesting point that there's no actual soundtrack.
0: Yeah. And I was going to mention the body count and the survivor count but we kind of already went over that. Uh it does- <laughs> I do I think my I think my favorite part of the movie mm. is the w- burning windmill at the end just yeah. because it is so if if you're along for the ride for that movie that sequence is just so heartbreaking watching yeah. him and I man he man Boris Karloff is a fucking trooper. <laughs> yeah,
1: seriously.
0: <laughs> um but it also features uh a Great non-death from Henry Frankenstein oh, where he gets God. gorilla pressed, thrown <laughs> off the balcony, <laughs> hits the arm of the windmill, uh, and then which then swings over and he falls down. off of that thing. And then they're like, we should probably get him home. He's going to yeah. need a nap. <laughs> yeah.
1: Take him back home. Yeah.
0: It's so funny that he's not dead because it's like they, they shoot that to be like, oh, he's clearly dead. Yes. Okay, like He doesn't just fall into a bunch of people. He hits a bunch of shit on the way down.
1: Yeah. Even if they had him falling into like a hay bale at the at the bottom, I'd be like, all right. He landed in something soft. He's probably fine. Yeah. But yeah, he smacks. He, he breaks his spine yes. on a windmill yes. piece and then flops to the ground.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that pretty much does it. Um I think so. Who would you recommend this to? Uh...
1: I would recommend this to people who like classic black and white movies in general. Mm -hmm. I actually think they'd enjoy it. Um, I would recommend this to people who want to go into the sciences. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would recommend it to people who like grave robbing and absentee fathers. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that's gonna, I think that's gonna do it. I think, uh, I think we've talked about that for long enough.
1: Yeah. So what are we going to do next time?
0: Uh, I hit the randomizer and we landed on number 170, Ooh. which is Wes Craven's new nightmare.
1: Oh, you must be so excited.
0: I am excited because <laughs> um, that was that was the alternate for when we were doing uh, Real Ripe and Real Rotten when we did yes. Wes Craven. So uh, I'm going to try and get Wes back on so, to talk about that. So Two Wes's,
1: one podcast. Yeah.
0: He's real busy though, so. He doesn't really do many podcasts anymore. Really? No, he does them every, like, friggin' day. I don't know how he finds the time to do it.
1: <laughs> you you got me. You were so deadpan on that one. I was like, wait a second, what happened to Wes?
0: Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah so thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you next time with Wes Craven's New Nightmare.
1: Dun, dun, dun.